beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, please, Lord, do not give me riches. Have you ever prayed that? Lord, please don't make me rich. Don't give me too much money. Have you ever sat down and gone on your knees and closed your eyes and folded your hands and begged God, please, Lord, don't give me more than I need? Well, someone did once. Turn to Proverbs chapter 30 and you'll see this man called Agur. Proverbs 30 at the end of the book of Proverbs chapter 30 verse 8. We see what our brother Agur said, 30 verse 8 of Proverbs, he says, or verse 7, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying, and now here's the part we're talking about, give me neither poverty nor riches, feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. You see that Agar is very concerned about getting his daily bread, the food that is needful for me. Literally, what he's writing there in the, in the original language is, give me my prescribed portion, give me my daily allowance, give me my rations. Give me the things that are necessary. And sufficient. Now, why is he so worried about getting not too much and not too little? Why is he so worried about getting just the right amount? Well, Agar is concerned about his relationship with God. He wants to honor and obey God in his life, and so he asks God to give him what he needs in order to keep that the main thing in his life. And so, in the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus puts this prayer of Agar in our mouth. The Lord Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread because he knows that it has everything to do with the first three petitions. We need daily bread so we can hallow God's name, so we can, we can work for the coming of his kingdom and so that we can do his will. Now, we might be tempted to think that when we get to the fourth petition, We've done our duty with God. We've begun our prayer with him and what he needs, hallowing and kingdom and will. And now it's our turn. Now we're going to ask for some things for ourselves, what we need. And if we're tempted to think like that, we're absolutely mistaken. Because just like in Proverbs chapter 30, so in the New Testament, the prayer for daily bread is fundamentally linked to a desire to see the name of God. God glorified. You remember that God's name is hallowed in the measure that his kingdom is manifest more and more, and that God's kingdom is manifest more and more in the measure that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So these petitions, they follow one another, they're intricately linked and connected. And as we pray the fourth petition, we pray for our daily bread because we know that we can only obey God's will. We can only faithfully carry out our office and calling in the measure that God provides for us the means to do so and the blessing upon those means. In other words, what we're asking God for is this. Lord, 
give us what we need to do the job that you give us to do in your kingdom. We're asking him to sustain us with what we need to do his will, to advance his kingdom, to glorify his name. Those three things that we see in the first three petitions. And so the Lord Jesus teaches us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, the word there in Matthew chapter 6, the word for daily is a very rare word. How do you ever read it in the New Testament? In fact, it's rare in Greek, just outside of the New Testament, in Greek literature in, in general. In the Bible, the only time that this word daily appears is when the two evangelists record the Lord's Prayer. That's Matthew chapter 6 and, and Luke chapter 11. And so because it's a rare word, it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what it means, but it's generally agreed that it means something like that word that we read about in Proverbs chapter 30. It means sufficient for the day. And that's why in our translation, daily bread is, is a good translation. The Lord Jesus is teaching us to have the, the prayerful spirit of eager. Give me what is necessary and sufficient. Give me my daily provision portion in military terms. We're, we're asking, Lord, give me my daily provisions. Let me draw my daily rations. What we're seeing is this, Lord sustain me sustain me and as we live prayerfully asking the lord jesus to give us our daily bread there are three things that we want to see here this afternoon and they're connected to the first three petitions the first place we hallow his name we're asking for this daily bread so we can give god the glory just by praying this petition, we're already glorifying God. We're hallowing his name because we're recognizing that he is the overflowing fountain of all good. We can't turn to anybody or anything else. When God's people come and say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, then we're saying, Lord, we need you. We can't do things without you. We can't live without your love. We can't go on without your sustaining grace and without your provision. And when we recognize that we depend totally on God, then we glorify him so the petition is give us this day our daily bread it's a, an attitude of humble dependence we're just holding out our hands saying please lord so what did satan say to man at the fall he said you're going to be like god and if god of course is autonomous and independent god doesn't hold out his hand to anybody he takes care of himself and the natural man, the man without Jesus Christ, believes that he is, in fact, in control of his own life. Natural men, people who are in sin, not in Christ, they think we can shift for ourselves. And that's why all false religions and all false brands of Christianity have an exaggerated view of the importance of man. That's why in the false religions, the gods depend on the men who make them. The prophets speak about that. Hey... God says to the, the idolaters, you've got to carry your God around your shoulders. You've got to feed them. You've got to make your gods. They depend on you. And in stark contrast to this is the attitude of a converted sinner before his heavenly father. One of the consequences of regeneration is a new appreciation for our place in the universe. Like little children, we hold out our hand and we ask our heavenly father, to put food 
in our mouths. So it's humble dependence. And then there's these words also convey an attitude of joyful certainty of God's goodness. You remember how the Lord Jesus taught us to begin our prayer. He said, pray this way, our Father in heaven. So when we're asking for our daily bread, it's not a shot in the dark. It's not like putting a coin in the, in the slot machine in the casino, hoping that maybe, just maybe, we're going to get something out of it. When we say, give us this day our daily bread, we're asking our Father for what we need. And what earthly father, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? And if, you, if even imperfect and earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more our Father in heaven who is perfect. He's given us his own son. How is it possible he would deny us any lesser blessing? And so when we come to God in humble prayer for our needs, we, we glorify him by showing that we see him as a good and gracious and loving, faithful heavenly father. And so when we pray, give us, we also pray with an attitude of joyful certainty of the power of God. When we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, Lord, don't let me think that the government can take care of my needs. The government is the God of our age. In a world which has declared God dead, the government has come into that vacuum and delights to present itself as the answer to all of our problems. And we're saying, no, Lord, no, don't let me be a sucker and fall for that lie. Don't let me think that my pension plan or my investments or my employer can take care of my needs. Don't let me think that my intelligence and my hard work can gather these riches and can put this food on the table. No, Lord, remind me, teach me that it's you that you give it, that you're the powerful creator, that you take care of even the littlest of your creatures. You provide water for the flowers and nectar for the butterflies. You provide food for the little birds. You provide grass for the cattle and even the roaring lion, says the psalmist, that majestic king of beasts seeks his food from God. And so what we're seeing is, Lord, how can I have less trust in you than a lion does? If even the animals who can't speak have an innate trust in your provision, how can I doubt that all good things come from you? So please, Lord, open your hand and satisfy me with good things. When we do that, when we cultivate this prayerful expectation of all good things from God's hand, it's impossible to stop ourselves from bursting into praise. And that's why when you read through the Psalms, the psalmist often can't stop himself as he sets forth how God's providence shows God's amazing love and his power, then that drives him repeatedly to worship, to praise. And so in our prayers, the very fact that we seek everything we need from God is a clear indication that we prayerfully and joyfully believe that his alone is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And so when we pray this petition, give us this day our daily bread, we're praying it, and in praying it, we're fulfilling 
the first petition. We're hallowing the name of God. We're giving God the glory. And, and secondly, we're desiring that his kingdom come. So now we look at this fourth petition in terms of the second. James, in chapter 4 of his epistle, speaks about praying with the wrong attitude. He says, look, you're asking wrongly to spend it on your own pleasures. And when we pray according to the way the Lord Jesus taught us, we're, we're asking, Lord, give us what we need for your kingdom. Give us what we need so that your kingdom would advance, not the kingdom of man. And so we're showing in our prayerful attitude that, that we understand and believe that all things in the final analysis are from God. Rain, sunshine, money, food, work, health, clothing, housing. God distributes these gifts to believer and unbeliever alike. Even the most wicked mafioso or drug lord only has these temporal gifts that he has because of God's providence. But because the wicked does not know how to pray the fourth petition, because the wicked does not know how to say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread, therefore, these temporal gifts witness against him. They are accumulating evidence <clears throat> to be introduced into the heavenly court to condemn him on that great day of judgment, to condemn him for his wickedness, for his selfish use of the good things of God's creation to spend on his own pleasures, for his corrupt use of the things of the kingdom of God to serve the kingdom of man. You see, unless we ask for blessings in faith, and unless these blessings are received in faith and used in faith, God's gifts, his temporal gifts, will only serve to increase the guilt and the curse on those who misappropriate them. And so the child of God, when he prays, when she prays the fourth petition, is recognizing, Lord, all the things I have, they're really useless unless I understand them in relation to you, unless you bless them so that I can use them wisely in my office and calling in your kingdom. Lord, give me sustenance for a reason. Give me sustenance so I can use the energy and strength to live life in your kingdom. Lord, give me help. Help me to use your gifts to love you and to love my neighbor. Don't let your gifts witness against me one day. When I was a child, my dad often used to pray that at the table. He'd say, Lord, thank you for all these gifts, all these blessings. Oh, Lord, don't let these gifts, these blessings, witness against us one day. Praying is a very serious business. God takes it very seriously, even though we sometimes do not. We should not be surprised when God answers our prayers. So we should be careful what we pray for. Are we using God's good gifts to build our own little kingdoms here on earth? Are we diverting the holy resources of the great king and using them for our own pleasure? Are our great riches strangling our faith and choking our ability to serve God and our neighbor? And when you heard me say great riches, maybe you thought, oh, that's not me. Many of us take that phrase great riches as a time to, as a cue to, to tune out and think, well, that's for the people in the highest tax brackets. No, it's not. Great riches applies to each and every one of us, even to the poorest person in this congregation 
for even the poorest among us is still in the top 1% of the world's population when it comes to the blessings of health and wealth and freedom. We have no idea how rich we are. We live in North America in a society which has access to the greatest gamut of consumer items in the history of this planet. The factories of the world churn out huge quantities of stuff to fulfill almost every imaginable need or desire, often delivered the next day, if you order within the next three hours. Our basements and attics overflow with stuff. We have so much stuff that our society is unique in all the world in that we actually have all kinds of storage facilities in which to keep more stuff. And we not only have money and credit to buy all this stuff, but we have unprecedented health and longevity and leisure time to use it and to enjoy it. And all of this presents a great challenge to the Christian. There's a great danger that all of this stuff makes us lose sight of who we are, what we're here for, and who we serve. So be careful when we pray. Because as we pray, Lord, sustain me this day with what I need to serve you, we need to do some prayerful stock-taking of our lives. We need to understand that we may be asking God in this petition to take things away from us. Lord, if I'm using your gifts to serve myself, please take them away from me. Lord, if I'm using my free time, my health, and my access to the TV and the internet, my smartphone, my money, my credit, if I'm using these things to be selfish rather than loving, to serve sin rather than to serve my Savior, if I'm storing up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven, then Lord, take away whatever is not helping me to serve you in your kingdom. And so we pray for our daily bread. And we pray so that we can have the energy and the strength and the sustenance to give God the glory and to work for and to desire the coming of his kingdom. And then finally, we pray this petition in view of the third petition. We pray for provision, for sustenance to do his will. Our prayer for sustenance has a lot to do with God's will. And there are three aspects that we'll deal with briefly in this last point. First, we ask for provision in accordance with God's will. The Bible teaches that the ordinary means that God uses to provide for our material needs is work. And so we don't pray, Lord, Give me this day my daily bread and then wait for a loaf of bread to fall out of heaven. That's not going to work. That's not the way God has set up the creation. Our prayer for daily bread is very much a prayer which says, Oh Lord, please grant me a job which is sufficient to provide for my family and for those in need. Please bless the work of my hands. Please help me to cultivate my gifts and to flourish in the life you've given me to live. Please give me wisdom so that I can administer wisely the paycheck that I get from you. And so there are good ways to get sustenance and there are ways which are not pleasing to God. And in general, the scriptures teach that the legitimate God-pleasing ways of accumulating wealth are through hard work or through inheritance. If we're 
buying lottery tickets or dropping by the casino after work to worship at the altar of Lady Luck, or we're feverishly filling out every sweepstakes entry form that we find, or if we're playing the stock market and desperately hoping for some big break with some random trade, then we're praying like double-minded men, tossed to and fro like the waves of the ocean, and we should not expect that God will answer such a prayer. We're asking Him for sustenance, but worshiping at the altars of the idols to look for it. So we need to ask for provision in accordance with God's will. Second, we, we need to ask for provision in order to be able to do God's will. And we basically covered that in the second point. We, we pray for provision to do service in the kingdom. And then thirdly, we're praying for provision to be able to accept his will. Built into our petition for our daily bread is the understanding that God is the one who decides what we need, not us. And sometimes what God decides we need may be a little bit surprising for us. We pray with the attitude of eager, please, Lord, just give me that which is necessary and sufficient. But sometimes God gives us more than we've bargained for. By God's grace, we have provision enough to give our first fruits to the work of the Lord, to pay for our living expenses. We have enough left to generously help the neighbor in need that God places on our way. We have, even after all this, enough left to put aside a righteous amount for the, the lean years of retirement. And yet, God has so blessed our work with success that we still have more left over. Well, how do we react to this? Remember, remember if we were to divide the, the world into rich and poor, all of us here would be lumped with the rich. All of us have more than we need. All of us. So how do we react? Are we supposed to be kind of guilty? Are we supposed to be racked with guilt, feelings, and shame? Well, the Bible teaches us that we can and we must be able to rejoice in prosperity. If God decides to hear our prayer for sustenance by providing abundance, then our prayer is that God would help us to use this abundance to his glory, to our joy, and for the joy of those around us. What does Paul say to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, verse 4? He says, for everything God created is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. So Jesus is not teaching us to pray for a life of asceticism, a life of the bare necessities, a life of barely surviving, a life of just scraping by. God considers rejoicing in his good creation to be part of our responsibility and office here on this earth. And so if you look at the psalmist, for instance, in Psalm 104, he, he praises God not just for bread, but also for oil to make man's face shine and for wine to make his heart rejoice. And so if our prayer includes an element of being prepared to receive an answer of abundance, then it also includes an element of being prepared to receive our sustenance the way God decides. We say, Lord, give us what we need, please. Just give us our sustenance so we can... We can honor your name, and we can advance your kingdom, and we can do your will. God's going to decide how he's going to answer that prayer. 
he might decide to provide for us by laying us off or getting us fired from work so that we need the help of the deacons and the, and the brothers and sisters in the Lord. He may decide that he's going to provide for, <clears throat> abundantly for us through family and through the love of the communion of saints. That's God's decision. And the person living from day to day in dependence on the diaconal care of the church is not living any more or less by grace than the person who is working full-time and earning a paycheck every week. We all live by God's grace. We all are provided for by God's grace. Any resource we have, including the money that's in our wallets or in our bank accounts, belongs to God. So there's no sense saying, give me this day my daily bread, and then turn around and say, well, I, I don't agree with your answer, Lord. I don't agree with your executive decision. I think you should have given me more, or I think you should have given it to me in another way. I think you've made a mistake, Lord, and now I'm going to complain. I'm going to murmur. You remember the Israelites in the desert, right? As you're reading through the Old Testament, it's irritating. They just keep complaining. They were experts at complaining. Their sandals never wore out. Their clothes didn't wear out. They got water from the rock. They got bread from heaven. But they rarely agreed with God's analysis of their needs. When we are taught by the Lord Jesus to pray, Lord, give me my daily bread. He's teaching us to pray with an attitude of humility. I trust that you are the only one I can depend on. I trust that you know better than I what my needs are. I trust that your decision about how and when and what you provide is good. I trust that no matter what, you can and you will give me what I need to serve you. That's what it's all about. What I need to serve you. And this counts also when our office and calling is difficult. There may be times that God has reserved for us the honor of suffering for his name. There may even come a time, even yes, in our lives, where God will even give us the honor of dying for the gospel. And in that situation, we ask the same thing. Lord, give us what is needful. Give us the things necessary to carry out the calling to which you call us. And when there are hard things that God calls us to, then in those cases, he might answer our prayer for sustenance, not by giving food and drink, but instead righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what Paul says to the Romans? Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because in the end, even more important than physical food and drink and other provisions, our food is to do the will of God. That's what Jesus said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. And when Jesus lives in our heart, that's the way we should feel too. Lord, give me my daily bread. But you know what, Lord? In the end, I can even do without food and drink and shelter if it's necessary because your grace is sufficient for me. Your love is better than life. Your will sustains me. You are my all, O oh God. 
you're all I need. And in the end, that's the secret, isn't it? It's the Lord Jesus who is the secret for managing with whatever provision God has decided we need. That's what Paul says, I know how to be hungry, I know how to be full, poor or rich, I can do everything. This is the secret, I can do everything in Christ who strengthens me. And we have in our hearts the spirit of the one who said, my food is to do the will of my Father. And we are nourished by the bread from heaven. And so we can rejoice in the sustenance that God wills to give us. And we can say yes and amen when we read the words of Jesus in John chapter 6. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. And here we get to the very deepest layer, the deepest stratum of our prayer for daily bread. In the end, when we ask, Give us this day our daily bread. We are asking God to feed us with the bread of heaven. If Jesus is not living in us, if Jesus is not feeding us with his word, with his body, with his blood, then any other provision we might receive from the hand of God will be only a burden and not a blessing. Now we're surrounded by a culture by a society which is busy praying to its gods. Oh, work, give me far more than I need, but don't give me time to enjoy it because I need to slave away to get more. Oh, greed, give me far more than I need. Let me get into horrendous debt in order to gratify immediately whatever desire might arise to buy something. Oh, money, oh, casino, oh, lottery, oh, stock market, give me more than I could have even imagine needing. And these and many other gods, they're not satisfied ever. They're always urging their slaves on to strive more and more, and their followers, too, are never satisfied. They're always driven to lust for more, to covet more, to run after more. Jesus teaches us to lift up our prayer to the true God, the maker of heaven and earth. He teaches us to ask trustingly and calmly, Lord, please provide sustenance for the way. Jesus teaches us to pray for that sustenance with the rock-solid assurance that God will never fail to give us exactly what we need when we need it. And so with this prayer of the Lord Jesus on our lips, we can go into the coming week of work and activity with a song of joy in our hearts. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Amen.